This morning, for all of our young people, they can be dismissed over to their class at this time. And so as they find their way that direction, all the rest of us that are going to be in here, we're going to be in Mark chapter number 14 this, e- this afternoon, this morning. Whew. Mark chapter number 14, that's where we're going to be. I don't know if it's morning or afternoon, what it is, but uh, it's, we're going to be in Mark 14, all right? And um, so thankful for the opportunity, the freedom that we have to get to come and to be able to open God's Word freely without having to worry about anybody coming and knocking on our doors and telling us that we're not supposed to. Um, we don't have to bow down to the government. We're able to bow down to Christ without any fear of uh, what could happen to us. And I hope that this morning especially we would just be reminded of that fact just a little bit more. Um, you know, I, I, sometimes we forget just how precious the Word of God is. How precious this time that we have is to be able to come and to be able to gather together, to be able to worship the Lord. Don't forget that somebody gave their life so that you can open up this page of the Bible that we're going to look at today. Don't forget about that. It's easy for us to just flippantly just go through the Scriptures and forget about how precious God's Word is. There's so much power, listen, in this page. And I hope this morning that we'll remember that. And we'll take it to heart. We won't just flippantly just approach the Scriptures like it's just another Sunday. Listen, friend, we have no promise that by next week, there couldn't be something that comes down that says, listen, if you meet together like this, it could be against the law and your life could be in jeopardy. Praise God for the freedom that we have. Don't take it for granted. Thankful you chose to be here this morning. Mark chapter number 14 is where we're going to be this morning. We've been working through the book of Mark for a long time, all right? We're, we're 50-something messages into the book of Mark, and uh, I have enjoyed so much studying verse by verse through the Word of God. One of the reasons that we do that is because I understand this. I try my best to be a dynamic speaker, somebody that, that is, is easy to connect with. But the truth is this, I am a finite man, and I, I know that many times whenever I may stand up here, I just get in the way of what God wants to say. But I know this above all else, that while my illustrations may fail, while my stories may fall flat, while some might, people may not like the way that my voice is, uh, sounds or, or maybe the speed at which I preach, I know this, as long as God's word is preached, his word never returns void. And so I'd challenge you this morning, in just a moment, we're going to pray and ask the Lord to help us. And when we do, I'd encourage you, pray and ask the Lord to speak to your heart from his word. Allow God's word to find good soil in your heart. And uh, I promise you, when you ask him to do that, he sure will do that. Let's pray together, and then we're going to dive into Mark chapter number 14 this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity that you have given us to be able to open your word. I pray, God, that the distractions, Lord, already that it seems like have tried to come in, and 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 Lord, you know that, that sometimes that can be discouraging, and sometimes it can be distracting. I pray, God, that we set those things aside, and we just focus on your word. Lord, I pray that for a few moments now, you bring our thoughts into captivity. I know, God, there are things that are going on. There's things that are coming up even this week that we could, we could dwell on, we could think about. But I pray for a few moments that we would just set those things aside and focus on your word. Lord, I know you want to speak to us and you've spoken to me from this passage already. God, I pray that what we look at this morning would be a challenge to us and it'd help us, Lord, to leave this place closer to you than when we came. 
Lord, we look forward to what you're going to do, how you're going to work. Speak to us through your word today. May your Holy Spirit have freedom to move in our midst. And God, we pray all of these things in your son's precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, as you've been with us as we've walked through the book of Mark, and as we've come through chapter number 14, just a couple weeks ago, we saw Jesus sit down with his disciples at that last Lord's table, that that Lord's table that they gathered together. And and as Jesus broke the bread, as he gave of the cup, as, as Judas was cast out to go and do what he was about to go and do, and then after they finished that time, we saw as, as they began to make their way to the place we're going to look at this morning, we, we found that Jesus spoke to them and He said, listen, all of you tonight are going to betray Me. All of you tonight are going to deny Me, dr- reject Me, forsake Me. And we remember last week we saw Peter stand up and say, oh Lord, uh, everybody else may do it, but not Me. Not me, I'm not going to do it. Jesus looks right at Peter and he says, Peter, I'm going to tell you what, Peter. You think you're big, you're bold, and all these things. We said, Peter, tonight, you're not just going to reject me once. You're going to reject me three times. And Peter looked at Jesus and he said, Jesus, even if everybody else denied you, I would die for you. Not me, Jesus. I mean, he said it with, with, the Bible says vehemently, I mean, with some passion. Jesus, I will not deny you. And so they continued on. And that's where we find ourselves in verse number 32. Look with me, if you would, verse number 32. The Bible says this, And they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he saith to his disciples, Sit ye here while I shall pray. Here they, they make their way here, and as they're making their way to the Garden of Gethsemane, the Garden of Gethsemane was, was near the Mount of Olives, a place where olives were grown. The very name Gethsemane means the, uh, an oil press. It was likely a reference to some of the presses that would have been nearby that they would use to collect the olives and to press them into olive oil and different oils and things like that. I feel that the fact that olives were nearby were Jesus was betrayed is just one more reason that we should steer clear of olives, okay? I'm just telling you, many of you know my hatred and my just absolute despicableness of olives. I hate all kinds. Some people say, what about green olives? That's disgusting. Some say, what about the black olives? Absolutely gross, okay? The only thing that olives are used for is to be pressed down into an oil that you can then fry something in, okay? Amen, all right? That's the only good thing that ever came from an olive. And the very fact that they were near where Jesus betrays, I think, means that we should ban them from ever entering the church again. But anyway, uh, that's just my opinion, all right? But here they were, okay? They're, they're making their way down the mount to, the, to this mount, to the, this place, to the Garden of Gethsemane. And it was in these last precious hours of Jesus' life, that we learn some valuable lessons that we should all heed today. And so as we begin this morning, we see first of all, as we come to verses 33 through 36, we see the, the weight of that hour. The weight of that hour. Look what the Bible says in verse 33. And he taketh with him Peter and James and John, and began to be sore amazed, and to be very heavy. And he saith unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here and watch. 
And he went forward a little and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. Multiple times as you study through the, the, the Gospels, you hear Jesus as he's going through and as he's doing miracles and things like that. And people would come to him and, and desire to, to, to tell everybody. Multiple times, Jesus would make the statement, my hour is not yet come. He said that over and over again to, to various people. No, no, my hour, my time is not yet. Over and over again he says that. But as we come to verse number 35, we find that Jesus now, here he is, the time has come and he prays and he says, Lord, Lord, the hour, let it pass. Let it pass from me. In a matter of moments, he would be betrayed. Within hours, he would be nailed on the cross, and within the next day, he would be laid in that borrowed tomb. Jesus knew that what was coming, it was his hour, and it had a right. And at this moment, it, he brought his three closest friends to him, Peter, James, and John. Among all of the disciples that Jesus had, we know that he had 12 disciples that followed him. But there were three in particular that were often the ones that were closest to Jesus. The ones that Jesus seemed to take with him uh, uh, to, to the special locations. They were the three that were on the Mount of Transfiguration. Whenever they were up there and they saw Jesus transfigured before them. And heard the very voice of God say, this is my son in whom I am well pleased, hear ye him. These were the three that were mentioned together over and over again. They were considered the leaders of the rest of the disciples and it were these three that walked a little further into the garden with Jesus he asked you tonight this morning are, are you content with just being a disciple of Jesus or do you really want to be close to him there were many disciples of Jesus, many followers. In fact, in John chapter number 6, we know that there was a multitude of followers. But it was in John chapter number 6, verse number 66, that many of them went away and walked no more with Him. And He looked at the twelve that remained and He said, Do you also go away? And Peter speaks up there and he says, Where else are we going to go? You're the one that has the words of life. You're the ones that have the words of truth. So it narrowed down to the twelve followers. But listen, the, the, but those... The those 12 followers, while they were a step beyond those casual followers, there were these three, Peter, James, and John, that had the true closest relationship with Jesus. And the truth is this, in the church house, there will be many casual Christians. Many casual Christians that are good just to show up when, 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 when the speaking is happening, Right? There were a multitude of people that showed up when Jesus was going to do a miracle. There were multitudes that showed up when Jesus was teaching. But they weren't with Jesus day by day by day. There's the casual Christians, there's no question. But listen, then there are some within the church house that are like the twelve, that, that are just a step beyond it. And listen, they have a daily walk with Jesus. They're not just with Him just uh, on the Sundays or, or when Jesus is, 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 is teaching a lesson. No, no, no. They're walking with Him each and every day. They want to know Him on a, on a little bit more personal level. and They want to experience Christ in a little bit deeper way. But then there are the ones who truly want to have that next step relationship. To take it even further. You want that up close, personal Walk with Jesus. You want to truly, truly 
know him. Growing up in, in Indiana, I, I've not hidden the fact that I'm a huge fan of basketball. I mean, that's just, I mean, that was just a part of it. I mean, it just ran through your, your veins. And, and, and being a huge fan of basketball, there was a particular movie that came out that had to do with Indiana basketball that's, that they say is probably the greatest uh, sports film of all time. It's the movie Hoosiers, okay? Now listen, I don't support everything that took place in the movie, and, and honestly, it's been a long time since I watched it, so I don't remember everything about it, but I know this, because it's named Hoosiers, and it was made uh, in Indiana, I'm a fan, okay? And I remember growing up watching that movie Hoosiers a, a number of times, and, and, and uh, there's one point in the movie in particular that I remember, the, the coach there of the Milan High School, uh, he, he brings up over one of his players, and, and, and there's one player on the other team that just is, is just really, I mean, just kind of putting it to their team. And, and, and so he brings this player over and he brings him in close and he says this to him. He says, I want you to stick so close to that guy that at the end of the game, I want you to be able to tell me what the flavor of gum is that he's chewing. And uh, I remember that. And, I mean, whenever I was in high school and, you know, in middle school playing basketball, that was like my theme, right? You know, okay, when I go out on the, the court, I don't know about a lot of things, but I know this. At the end of the game, I'm going to know what flavor of gum he's chewing. I don't know how in the world you would know what type of flavor of gum somebody else is chewing. And I don't think you'd want to know uh, the way that you would have to find out. But listen, uh, I know what this means. What he was just saying, he's saying, I want you to be close to him. I want you to, to, to be able to smell him. I want you to know, uh, I mean, everything about him. I, mean, I, want, you, I want you to be close the whole way through. Now listen, Jesus doesn't chew gum, okay? He didn't in the Bible and, and he doesn't today. But, but I wonder, I wonder if we could get clo- so close to him, maybe we start to sound like him. Maybe we start to, I don't know, smell like him. I don't know, just something about him, the fragrance from us that, that just, it just, it reflects Christ, you, you just purpose that you don't just want to be a, a casual follower while being a disciple is great. You don't just want to be content with that either. No, you want to be one who is tru- truly a close follower of Christ, just right up close and personal, where, I mean, you just hunger and you thirst to know Him more. James chapter number 4, verse number 8 tells us that if we draw nigh to God, He will draw nigh to us. In Philippians chapter number 3, verse number 10, Paul says this, that I I may know Him. The power of His resurrection. The fellowship of His suffering. Being made conformable unto His death. He, I mean, He wanted to know Christ in just a special, more passionate way. And may that be the desire of each and every one of us. In the weight of this, this hour, Jesus brought His three closest disciples to Him and He requested something of them. He, he brought them and He said, watch with Me. In other passages, we see that He said, pray with Me. Would you pray for Me? Then He went a little further and the Bible tells us that He fell on the ground. Look at the Bible says in verse number 34, 35 rather, and He went forward a little, He fell on the ground prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. Listen, his heart was so heavy that in verse number 34, he said, my soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death, he says. Weight was so heavy that he couldn't even stand anymore. He fell to the ground. He said, I'm, oh, I feel like I'm going to die. And Jesus, Jesus never exaggerated. Sometimes whenever I, I preach... 
Uh, and, and when preachers preach, we use a phrase, evangelistically speaking, all right, you know. I mean, like, you know, whenever, whenever you get a post on, online, you know, about how great the service was, I mean, you look out and you think, man, okay, this morning we had, I don't know, somewhere around 50, you know, I mean, probably. Now, granted, there was probably 25, but evangelistically speaking, right, you know, I mean, that's the way that we do it. Listen, Jesus didn't do that. Jesus didn't, didn't uh, exaggerate. Jesus was honest with what he said, and what he said was what he meant. And when Jesus said, oh, I'm just overwhelmed to the point of death, listen, friend, that's exactly the weight that he felt. He was so heavy because, listen, the, the, his life was in the balance even before he went to the cross. Luke's gospel goes on to tell us that his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood. Jesus, being 100% man, yes, 100% God, but Jesus in his humanity was overwhelmed to the fact uh, of, of all that was about to take place that he collapsed to the ground and he prayed in verse number 36, Abba, Father, that word Abba there was, was a word that, that, that meant Daddy. It was oftentimes that first words that maybe a, a baby would speak. They would look up and, and we, you know, you have that competition. Are they going to say dad, dad? Are they going to say mama first? And, and, and sometimes they would look up and maybe the first words they would say, Abba. Looks to his father. Abba. Father. All things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not, not what I will but with what thou wilt. Yes, Jesus was burdened by the rejection from his disciples that he was about to face. He was burdened by the suffering he was about to endure at the hands of the Roman soldiers. But above everything else, Jesus cried out in that moment because he knew for the first time in all of eternity he was going to become sin for us and his Father was going to turn his face away from him. You know, one of the greatest sufferings of hell for those that don't accept Christ as their Savior. They spend eternity in a lake of fire. They spend eternity in hell. Yes, there is going to be immense pain from the fire. Yes, there is going to be immense pain from the darkness. Yes, they're going to, they're going to face the constant memory of, re, of rejecting Christ. But one of the greatest sufferings that they are going to face is the fact that for all of eternity... They are going to be separated from God. You understand, we were talking this, this week, Isaac and I had the chance to go and go hunting this week, and, and, and we were talking with a fella that, he's a little bit older fella, and he looked at us and he said to us, he said, don't you understand that just the very fact that you can take a breath is a grace of God. I mean, just think about it. If just for a moment, if God said, you know what, I'm just going to turn off that oxygen, just... Just for a minute. I mean, we would all collapse on the ground, unable to breathe, and yet God is so gracious that He just He lets you take another breath. I mean, we ought to live our entire life. This is what the man said to us. He said, You ought to live, and every second, you ought to just be thanking God that you're able to breathe another breath. Oh, man, listen, no matter how bad you may think your life is on this earth, we have the presence of God and His Holy Spirit living amongst us and within us. We've got things so good. But one day, those that have rejected Christ will spend eternity in hell, and they will be separated from God. So it is not too much to say that when Jesus died on the cross, 
when his sin, the sins of the world, the sin, your sins and my sins was placed upon him. It's not too much to say that Jesus in that moment was experiencing hell on this earth as he was separated from his father for the first time in all of eternity. Jesus knew what was coming in his humanity. He cried out, all things are possible until they take away this cup from me. But what a powerful example as he prayed, nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. Nevertheless, I submit to your plan. None of us will ever face the weight like Jesus carried on that day. But how often are we guilty of living in such a way that says, not your will, but mine be done? No, we wouldn't say it audibly. We wouldn't say it with our actual mouths. We wouldn't actually say that out loud. But so often the choices that we make in life demonstrate that very thing. Most will bow to the almighty dollar or for comfort or for something fun long before they will bow to the will of God. That's one reason that I, that I appreciate missionaries so much, like the Smith family, like the Beth, Beck family, that are willing to leave maybe a place of comfort, maybe a place that they've always been, and they're willing to travel on the road and go from place to place and, and stand before churches. And listen, they say that the, the number one fear of man above death and above heights is public speaking, okay? Uh, people would rather die and fall off of something very tall before they would stand in front of somebody and speak. And listen, that's what he does. He travels around and he, he speaks in front of a new congregation every week, multiple times of a week. And some of you would say, I'd rather die than do that. Listen, why, why, why are they doing that? Because why? Because they are saying, God, I would rather have your will for my life than my will for my life. Not my will, Father, but yours be done. Following the example of Christ. The Bible tells us in, in James chapter number 4, verse number, four, number 15, He says, For that ye ought to say, If the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. Even those closest to Jesus can fail sometimes and choose to follow your will. Instead of God's. If you don't believe it, just ask Peter, James, and John. As in just a few moments, they were all going to forsake Christ and flee. Don't live your life and reach the end filled with regrets for not following God's will. No one reaches the end. And says, man, I just wish I would have worked more Sundays. <laughs> Doesn't happen. No, nobody reaches the end and says, man, I just wish I would have made more money. No one will stand before Christ one day and say, man, I wish I'd spent more time out 
hunting in the mountains. Oh, I know. I, we're touching on some touchy subjects here, okay? Uh, listen, uh, listen, th- listen, there's nothing wrong with providing for your family with a job. There's nothing wrong with, with, with even making money. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil, not money itself. There's nothing wrong with going and hunting in the mountains. Listen, I did it this week. I didn't really hunt. We just kind of walked around places. But listen, I mean, there, there's nothing wrong with those things. But understand this morning that, that one day we will stand before Christ and we will most of us will say this I wish I had done more for him and this morning I'd encourage us decide this morning Lord not my will but thine be done don't get to the end of your life and say man I wish I had led my family to follow the Lord but instead I chose to do these things that I wanted to do It's a heavy responsibility, but may we follow Christ's example and say, not my will, but thine be done. We see in this moment the weight of the hour. It had finally come. Here Jesus was, and now He's sweating great drops of blood and and crying out to the Father, Oh, Father, nevertheless, not my will, but Thine be done. But next we see this, the weakness of the flesh. The weakness of the flesh. Look at verse number 37. And He cometh and findeth them sleeping. And He saith to Peter, Simon, sleepest thou? Really? Couldst not thou watch one hour? Just for a little time, watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The Spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. And again, he went away and prayed and spake the same words. And when he returned, he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. Neither wist they what to answer him. Jesus takes a brief break in the midst of his praying. And he comes over to his disciples only to find that they had fallen asleep. Now it's interesting because Jesus didn't address all three of the disciples. He addressed only one of them. But, and this is interesting. As you look at the life of Peter, oftentimes when Peter wasn't behaving the way that he was supposed to, Jesus would call him Simon. The life, the, the person that he was before he met Christ. Jesus was the one that gave him that new name, Peter. And he looked at him and he said, Simon, Simon, come on. Couldn't you just watch? Couldn't you just pray? Just for a little bit? Simon, Peter, I need you to pray. Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. Then he says this, the spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. This week while we were hunting, we said that many times. (laughs) We said, man, our spirit is willing, our spirit is ready. But the flesh is weak. You know, we should just go sit down over here, right? And oftentimes we use that phrase, we say things like that. But why would Jesus say that phrase so Right here to Peter. Why, why exactly would he say it directly to Peter himself? What's well, because of verse number 31 that we saw last week. Look again. Peter looks at Jesus and he spoke the more vehemently. If I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise. Likewise also said they all. You see, Peter was willing. In his spirit, he was willing to give his life for Jesus. But he was unable 
to give even a little bit of his time to him. He was unable to even spend a few moments in prayer for him. Jesus went back to praying only to come back a second time and to find Peter asleep again. The Bible gives us a little insight here. It says, well, his eyes were heavy. He was sleepy. I mean, it's probably late at night. He was tired. He was weary. When Jesus came back the third time and found him sleeping again, he didn't even wake him right away. Jesus desired Peter to pray for him. To pray for himself, but instead, he fell asleep. The necessity for prayer was lost in the desire for sleep. His spirit was willing, but his flesh was weak. Can you imagine being here today and and Jesus coming to you and saying, would you just pray for me? Just pray for me. I just need your prayers. And you saying, oh, yeah, 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 I'll I'll pray for you. And then falling asleep? Oh, what in the world, Peter? Come on. I mean, uh, I can't even imagine doing that. But but here's the problem. Matthew chapter number 6. There's a little phrase that's repeated over and over again. In Matthew chapter number 6 and verse number 5, Jesus says this, And when thou prayest, you come to the very next verse, verse number 6, and he says this, But thou, when thou prayest. And in case you missed it, in verse number 7, he says this, But when ye pray. It's almost as if Jesus expects us to pray. Like it's something that we should understand is vitally important to our Christian life. So we will just do it. But I am convinced that the greatest failure in our 21st century American Christianity is that we do not pray. Now listen, I know before you eat your food, Lord, bless this food to our bodies. Make it yummy. And uh, I know that's a candy bar, but will you make it nourishment to me? You know, I mean, that's, that's how we pray, right? You know, would you change the molecular composition of this candy and make it nourishment to me? You know, this fried chicken, you know, make it not clog my arteries. You know, I mean, like, that's, that's how we pray, right? And that's what we think, man, well, I prayed today. I mean, let's take it a step farther. There, there's even some of us that, that we pray, and, and, and how do we pray? I mean, we have a time where we, we sincerely, we think to ourselves, pray, and we say things like this, Lord. Will you bless my family? Will you, will you bless my children? Bless my wife? Bless me? <laughs> and then for that, just bless the whole world if you would, you know? I can't help but wonder if the Lord's just sitting up there going, do you even have any idea what that means? <laughs> but isn't that how we pray? I just bless this and, and bless that and, and bless these things over here and just, just bless everything. That'd just sure be great. Just give us a blessed day. Blessings. You know, we're just throwing them out everywhere. Can you imagine what the first century prayer meetings were like? 
Well, here's, here's the good news. We don't have to imagine, okay? We, we have an example of what a first century prayer meeting was like. It's in Acts chapter number 12. Herod had just killed James, and he saw that it pleased the Jews, and so he brought Peter in to prison, understandably, to take his life. That was what the plan was. And so there, Jesus, or there Peter was. He was bound next to two guards there in the prison. And, and the Bible tells us that there he was, and in Acts chapter number 12 verse number 5 it says Peter therefore was kept in prison but prayer was want was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him I'm sure they were there they were I mean the church they're gathered together in the house and what were they oh Lord will you just will you just bless Peter just bless him that'd be great if you just give him a blessing I mean I'm sure that's what they were no 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 friend that's not what was happening there okay I, I'm convinced that that's not what they were praying in fact we, we finally make our way to, to verse number 12 and, and at this point the, the angel has come in and, and has loosed Peter's chains and Peter thinks he's in a dream and he stands up and he walks through and the gates are open there in the, in, in the jailhouse and he makes his way all the way out. He finds his way onto the street and the angel disappears and Peter goes what just happened? I'm out. I mean like I'm free. They let me out. And so, so Peter makes his way over to the house where they're praying. Verse number 12, and when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where they were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken, named Rhoda. You can hear him there. I mean, they're in there. They are wailing. God, save Peter. God, deliver him. God, give him strength. Oh God, I mean they are begging God. They're not asking for Peter to be blessed. They are getting a hold of God. And all of a sudden they hear a knock on the door. I mean they don't have time to get up to go check and see who it is. So they send little Rhoda over there. Rhoda, go go see who it is. We're praying for Peter. Go, Go check and see who it is. And Rhoda goes to the door. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness. This is great. I mean like if you could, I can picture it so clearly. I mean Peter's there, he's knocking. And Rhoda comes, and Peter's going, hey, can you let me in? I'm trying to get inside here. And Rhoda, she doesn't even say, who is it? She hears Peter's voice. They are begging for God to save Peter, and she hears it. And she's like, ah, oh, oh, yes, hey, listen, Peter's outside. Peter's alive. He's, he's, yeah, he's outside. Uh, God, God answered our prayer. He's outside. I can't believe it. Verse number 15. And they said unto her, thou art mad. But she constantly affirmed that it was so. So they said, it's his angel. (laughs) Rhoda, it's not really Peter. You're crazy. Don't you understand? We're praying for him to be delivered. He's not, how can he be delivered when we're praying for God to answer our prayer here? I mean, he's not delivered. Rhoda, you've lost your mind. Oh no, it's his angel. That's what it is. Oh, he's gone. But Peter continued knocking, the Bible says. And when they had opened the door and saw him, they, I'm just telling you, there's so much that's just lost here, okay? I mean, we just miss it, okay? The Bible says they were astonished. <gasps> Listen, but he beckoning unto them with the hand to hold their peace. Now, okay, translation, okay? This is what happened. <gasps> it's a- He's here! I can't believe it! Peter's alive! 
alive. He's not dead. He's not his angel. He's delivered. Oh, I mean, there. I mean, this is where the the. I mean, the belly bump came into. I mean, it was like, oh yeah. I mean, this is. I mean, they were going crazy, and Peter's going, guys, shh, quiet down. They're gonna hear. Okay, quiet down. He declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, go show these things unto James and to the brother. And he departed and went to another place. I mean, I'm just telling you. Woo! <laughs> I mean, they knew how to pray. They knew how to get a hold of God. He was passionate. It was, it was fervent. It was real. It was continual. I don't know how long they were praying. Maybe they had prayed for days begging God that God would do something. They were so stirred and that they believed that, they, that when they prayed that God heard their prayers. And when God answered their prayers, oh, look at this. I mean, it's amazing to see what God has done. Let me ask you something. Does your prayer life look anything like that? Or is it just that standard, Lord, just bless, bless this person, and bless this person, and bless this person. And God, this person over here has got cancer. Would you bless them too? Oh, lots of blessings going out, but not many prayers are being answered. Truthfully, most of our prayers are pretty sleepy and pretty repetitive. And if someone came to you and needed prayer like Peter needed prayer, Came to you and needed prayer like Jesus requested that his disciples would pray. Let me ask you, could you get a hold of God? Could you get a hold of him? The unfortunate fact is most people would have to spend the first 20 or 30 minutes just going through and confessing the sin that they've allowed to build up in their life and haven't dealt with. Just so they could have access to God. Oh, that God would give us some people that would get themselves thoroughly right with God. And they would have a prayer life that would reach the heart of God. A prayer life that would prepare you to fight the battles that are just around the corner that you don't even know about just yet. Oh, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I have no doubt, we, Brother Andy was sharing with us this morning, he said when, when the people in China pray, they pray differently than what we do, because they don't have the phrases like we do. He, he gave the example, you know, I think he said, are you washed in the blood and, in China? They go, what? You know, I mean, uh, it's so true. We, we learn how to say all the phrases when we pray. And so we say the things that we've always heard said, and we just... You know what that is? Can I tell you? Vain repetition. Now we may not be in like the Catholics where we're praying, oh, Mary, I don't even know. Tressa can tell you all of them, okay? But I mean, the, uh, but it, we may not be reciting all the same things just like they do, but in our own way, we've got our ba- Baptist rosary that we pray through. Bless this person, bless this person, bless this person, bless this person. God, will you just take care of all of my needs and will you forgive me for all of my sins? <laughs> all right, check off. We're good now. And we walk away and we wonder why we don't have the power of God in our life. I'm sure Brother Andy and Miss Lily have been part of some services in China where people have prayed. And it was different. 
He said this morning that oftentimes it's persecution that comes, that wakes us up. And it's then that we truly have revival. It's then that we learn how to pray. I was talking with someone this week and we were discussing about this. Why is everything happening in our nation the way that it is? And you understand when Jesus arose up into heaven and told him, he said, go. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel. Make disciples. And what did they do? Acts 1, 2, 3, 4. I mean, chapter after chapter. The first, I think it's the first eight chapters. They stayed in Jerusalem. He said, you're supposed to be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and other parts of the earth. And There they were in Jerusalem. And so what did God do to send them out? Does anybody have any idea? Something happened. Anybody know? Cancel culture. Yeah, Baptist, yeah, Baptist history, cancel culture. There was a man named Stephen. You remember what happened? He was stoned to death. The Bible tells us Paul was breathing out threatenings against the church. And when that happened, when persecution came, you know what happened? The church went like this. And revival took place as people were saved all over the world. You know what's happened here in, in our American churches? It's all about us. We don't understand how to get a hold of God because we're so us focused. Oh, man, maybe God's allowing some, I mean, just the smallest, we can't even really call it persecution, okay? It's like a little bit of resistance. Maybe he's allowing it so that some people will wake up and stop being a casual Christian and maybe even step beyond just a follower. But it'll be somebody that really seeks to know God. You see, the spirit was willing, but the flesh was weak. And some of us are going to find ourselves in the same place of the disciples where they found themselves in verses 41 and 42. Jesus came that third time and he said unto them, saith unto them, sleep on now and take your rest. (laughs) That literally means he came to him and he said, are you still sleeping? (laughs) It is enough. So you've had enough sleep. The hour is come. There it is again. The hour is come. Behold, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise up, let us go. Lo, he that betrayeth me is at hand. Are you still sleeping? You've had enough sleep. The time has come. Get up. It's time for the battle. And you are not prepared. I told you to pray. I told you that you needed to pray. Pray for me, but pray for yourself. Peter, you said you're going to stand for me. I told you you needed to pray. And Peter, you missed it. You're not prepared. The rubber had met the road. The time to stand had come. But in the weakness of their flesh, we saw last week that Peter, he fled. 
and ultimately denied Christ three times. I can't help but wonder if in the days following the crucifixion, in between Christ's crucifixion and His resurrection, if Peter didn't think back on the three times that Jesus came to him. said, Peter, will you pray? You need to pray. Because when the war arrived, when the battlefield was there, there was no more time to pray. And Peter wasn't prepared. Friend, why does it take the tragedies and the impossible situations before we will get on our knees before God? See, we make fun of the billboards that say, when all else fails, then pray. And we say, oh, that's not the way to do it. But isn't that the way we live our lives? I mean, let's just be honest here. The most sincere prayer times that we have had for most of us have been when something went wrong in our lives and, oh, we needed to get a hold of God then. Listen, friend, we need to get a hold of God today and tomorrow and and before the trials come, just as much as we need to get a hold of God when that trial comes. Can I challenge you like Jesus challenged His disciples there in the garden? Wake up and pray. Spend time on your knees before God. Enter the battlefield on your knees long before you enter the battlefield in your life. Ask the Lord to help you to become so close to Him that, listen, you start to smell like Him. I mean, you just start to look like Him. You just start to talk like Him. You start to become just like Him. Hebrews chapter number 4, verse number 16 gives us that wonderful promise. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Oh, we can come boldly to Him. What a privilege it is. But how often do we forsake that time of prayer that we ought to be having with the Lord? Friend, if you're here this morning and you've never begun a relationship with Christ, if you've never prayed and asked Jesus to forgive you for your sins and maybe you're here this morning and you've missed everything in the entire message, can I tell you, you can pray a prayer that will be the first prayer that Jesus hears whenever you pray and you say, Jesus, will you forgive me for my sins? I know that I am a sinner, that I cannot obtain salvation, I cannot get to heaven on my own. But God, I am putting my faith and trust in you and you alone and your death on the cross to pay for my sins. God, will you forgive me for my sins? Oh, he'll hear that prayer and he will answer it and he will forgive you for your sins and you can have eternity in heaven with him. And if you do know Christ as your Savior, when's the last time you came boldly to him? I mean, think about it. When's the last time you truly got a hold of God? As the priests in the Old Testament would come to God with their offerings and requests, 1 Peter chapter number 2, verse number 9 says that we are a royal priesthood if we have accepted Christ as our Savior. And that is the reason that you can come boldly to His throne of grace. And maybe you need to ask, like the disciples in Matthew 6, ask the Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. And then get on your knees before the Lord. And don't get up until you know you've gotten a hold of Him. Don't enter the battlefield in your life until you've entered that battlefield on your knees. Because we aren't seeing God working. Because He isn't seeing us kneeling. And I hope this morning 
that will purpose to be people that can get a hold of God. That will decide, God, I want to be so close to you. So close. What I want to start to smell like you. I know that sounds so silly. But what a desire to have. God, I want to be so close to you. I start to look like you. Start to talk like you. The people around me start to look and say, yeah, you're just like Jesus. I hope this morning that each and every one of us will do that very thing. Let's have heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. This morning, if the Lord spoke into your heart, what a great time to start that prayer life. Right now to come to the Lord and, and ask Him to help you to be closer to Him than you've ever been. To know Him on that personal level. So close. Oh, I'm sure we could all say we're guilty of having a prayer life that's just on the surface. But it's nothing like those first century Christians pray. May we wake up have a prayer life we can really get a hold of God this morning if somebody had a need and they needed to somebody to pray somebody that could get a hold of God would they come to you because they know that you're someone that can get a hold of God oh listen I want that I want that to be me I want to have that prayer life that And when somebody needs someone to get a hold of God, they say, oh yeah, I know. I know somebody that has a walk with God. So close to God that, well listen, when they pray, they've got the ear of God. I hope that's each and every one of us this morning. Let's purpose to be that close to our Savior. Let's stand together, and we're going to have a time of invitation where you can respond to the Lord. Father, bless now this time. I pray that you move in our midst. And Father, I look forward to how you're going to change our lives in this area of prayer in the days ahead. We pray in Jesus' name.